It's, um, it's interesting to know what to preach on the last Sunday of, a mu- of the year and then again on the first Sunday of the year. It's like, do you do a real significant wrap-up of the year and, or then you know, the week after, do you try to sort of re-declare everything over the new year? And, and, um, and so uh, this week's been an interesting week for me because I actually had a really uh, a good... Um, well, something good to say, <laughs> and um, I was sort of building it, and um, I felt really good about it, but then later in the week, I began to feel that um, a bit of a directional change, and um, I'm going to speak on something that actually I don't think I have um, purposely for quite a while, and I mean, you know, maybe more than a year, because this year for me has been a, a year of really digging into character, digging into the depths and pulling out the gems and, and encouraging us to, to the fullness in, in who we are uh, and, and not just going with a, a momentary feeling that we might have at a certain time, but actually carrying that through the week, through the month and through the year. And so I've actually wrestled with this one, which may sound a little funny because um, it sort of seems like a natural theme for us uh, as a church, but I've called it when the wind of the spirit blows again, and um, that's the the phrase that came to me this week. And um, when I was dwelling on that, I was thinking I was actually wrestling with the Lord, saying, "Well, hang on, I don't really want to just do a revival sermon and pump everyone up, and you know, we do something, and then you know, tomorrow comes and we sort of go back to normal because we've done that many, many times, and and you know, all over the world, there's churches who are." maybe more supernatural focused or the miraculous uh, focused. And so there's plenty talked about about revival. And, and then it, uh, it just reminded me, I began to just think again on the, the things of the Spirit, the times when he blows afresh. And, and you can recall those seasons, you can recall those times when the problems get a little less and the blowing of the Spirit begins to overtake and, um, and so I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, well, you know, it's pl- plenty of sermons have been preached out of Acts chapter 2, and even some of the ones that I began to dwell on, you know, it's very familiar. And the danger in a revival circle that, that we may flow in is familiarity of the Spirit, and familiarity with going after this and going after that, and we can end up going after so many things we can forget about There is a sovereign hand of God who chooses at certain times to move very powerfully, very significantly upon his people. And this is something we can do nothing about. Now that may seem like a really weird statement in a church that hungers and pursues revival. But I've realized this, that um, so many of us have hungered and thirst after revival that we've forgotten the sovereignty of God in a move of God. And, and what I mean by that is the Lord loves hunger. And we'll read some of that in a moment. He loves our hunger, but sometimes our hunger begins to portray what revival needs to look like. And so it needs to be extended meetings, or it needs to be healings, or it needs to be uh, other facets of a supernatural move of God that we depict to be a revival. And then we begin to put our hands on it. We may begin to even go after that particular thing that, that portrays our expression of revival, not God's. And so we, we could have extended meetings and call them revi- you know, a month of revival or a year of revival or something like this. Nothing wrong with it. Pursue it. Go after it. But then when I come back a little bit and I just sit and I say, Holy Spirit, 
When I look at the moves of God, say in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, they weren't pray- They had no idea what they were praying for. All they had was the Old Testament uh, acts and mir- miraculous signs and wonders to go by in various seasons where the word of the Lord would be fresh and, and the Lord would break through for the Israelites. But then in the book, yeah, book of Acts, we see this fresh wind of the Spirit blowing in and they had no clue what to do with it. We are so modernized now and so social media and we've seen every different um, Facebook post about revival or a li- even a little drop of a miracle that happens somewhere, you know, way out in, in some church and we're hungry for that. There's nothing wrong with that. But then we begin to pursue that rather than the wind of the Spirit, which is spontaneous. We don't even know where it comes from. We don't even know where it goes. And so how can we put a formula or a way or a method or a style onto the wind of the Spirit? Well, our our job is to keep our hearts pure and pursue Him. And so John chapter 3 verse 8 actually says that. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. I want to start actually in Acts chapter 2. I wasn't going to, but I I think that would be a good place. Now, again, the danger here is that we've all read this so many times that we can just sort of rattle it off and we know what happens. And so I've got the uh, NASB version, which is a little bit different than NIV because um, just so it's a little uh, not as familiar, right? And most of you will know the story. The 120 were in the upper room praying. They didn't necessarily know what was coming. They knew that the promised Holy Spirit was, was imminent, but they didn't know how long necessarily they didn't know. I mean, can you imagine it, you know, being there for, for that long and waiting for something that you're not sure about? See, in today's day and age, we're okay if we know what's coming up. We're okay if we know there's going to be some healing signs and wonders at the end of our prayer meeting or whatever it might be. But what if we don't know? What if we have not yet seen what the Spirit of God wants to do on the face of the earth? What if it doesn't look like a typical revival meeting? What if it doesn't have those same traits, and maybe it will, it probably will, but what if those things aren't the leading factor in the revival? What if it's more a reformation where people are becoming awakened to doctrine or people are becoming awakened to the spontaneous love of God and just poured out like a Jesus people movement or a great awakening style where signs and wonders were not the pinnacle? And, and, it, and, and I, I'm throwing these little things out there just to challenge us a little bit because I feel that in the Western church, we've put signs and wonders as the pinnacle of revival and they're not. They actually are just a following trait in the wake of a move of the Spirit. And so when we, when we get our focus back on the Spirit of God and Jesus and the cross and salvations and the heart of God being poured out, then we focus revival rightly. We align it rightly. Most of us know this, but I just felt that today was like a reminder day. And so that's really all it is. But Acts chapter 2, um, I'm not going to read the... Ah, look, we might as well. Um, (laughs) Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. See, they weren't even standing. They weren't even in the glory. You know what I mean? They were just sitting down, having a prayer meeting together. And there 
Anyway, there was a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them and they, be, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, I won't keep reading, but what I want to pull out of this is that there's nothing like a move of God when the wind of the Spirit blows again. When that wind of the Holy Spirit, the personhood of God made manifest for us, becomes a reality in the midst of his people. It's a very, very distinct thing. I can remember even as a kid being at various meetings and not really understanding necessarily what's going on. But I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking I can still remember distinct times, even though I wouldn't have known the language or what really was going on, but I knew God was doing something. God was doing something. And maybe it was a, a, an outbreak of his presence in a group of people or whatever it was. And, and there's a distinct difference. The danger in the West is that we brag on what God does so much just to try to attract people to our little revival scrum that we outdo God. We outdo him at his own business. Do you know what I mean? We can outrun him. We can overshoot the runway, so to speak, by, by getting so whipped up in, okay, revival's here. We want to do this. We're seeing this. But we can see, and let me give you a few examples. In the book of Acts is a great, the greatest example, perhaps, but in the Reformation in the 1500s, we see this. Now, this was a Reformation of doctrine. This was not what typical Pentecostals would say was a sweeping move of the Spirit of God. But it reformed the whole world. It set the world on fire, both ways, good and bad. And so we can see when the Spirit of God chooses a man or a woman or a group of people, we cannot put our hands on it. If we put our hands on it, we're in danger. We're in danger territory. Then we see the great awakenings in the 1700s and we see mighty, mighty sweeping moves of God's Spirit. It wasn't in signs and wonders. And I've often in reading about revivals, looked at this and thought, why, did, why were signs and wonders and healings factor in some moves of God? And then in other moves of God, it wasn't a factor. Well, God knows better than us. And so this is where I, I think we have to have an appreciation, maybe not a full, uh, full aligned doctrine to the sovereignty of God, but I think sometimes in revival movements, we've forgotten about this. We've forgotten that God is sovereign, not us. We've forgotten that God will choose who he will choose. He will have compassion on who he will have compassion, Romans says. And we don't get to choose sometimes. He does. All he asks of us in Luke 11 is, ask and I'll give it to you. And so we can see these, these two ideologies coming together, the sovereignty of God and the ability of man or the hunger of man like we talked about a few weeks ago. We see these two ideologies coming together and when they come together they are powerful because we have an appreciation for what God is and who he is and a reverence and a respect for his honor and we can't just whip something up in and of ourselves, but we can honor him and we can say, Lord, we're hungry for your move. We're hungry for your move. And it's not so that we can pack this place and sell more CDs and DVDs and stream everything that we're doing and everyone pack into our little backyard. No, it's because he wants to save the world. And who knows, the world can't fit in here. 
But the world can fit in this church, an impact church around the corner, and the church down the road, and the church up the street, and further down and further down. You know, we are not in competition with one another. It's worth recognizing that sometimes, isn't it? We're not competing. We're on the same team. As I've said before, what soldier is going to go into World War II or three or whatever else and look at the guys in his own trench and shoot them? It's ridiculous. It's demonic. It's anti-Christ. It's not the kingdom. It's got nothing to do with the kingdom of God when we start worrying about what everyone else is doing. Oh, they're doing this now. Oh, they got an extra 20 people. Oh, people transferred from here to there forever. We consume so much flesh sometimes. And guess what? In a true move of God, the flesh gets burnt. It gets burnt. Really burnt. And sometimes, I know some of you, when, when you may have been in meetings where God's presence has really impacted you, or maybe in your bedroom when you're worshipping and the fire of God hits you, it's not even a good feeling. It's like, where's the joy, Lord? Because he wants to burn some holiness in and some rubbish out. And this, these are traits of great moves of God. We can see it right throughout history. And... Um, You can see it at Azusa Street. You can see many signs and wonders, but you can see repentance. You can see weeping. You can see a holiness falling on people, the Jesus people movement. And I'm picking things out that all of you know much about, but these are moves of God that swept the globe. They're not just like the Indonesian revival was incredible, but it was regional. And, and so these are moves of God that has swept the globe. And most of us will feel in our spirits that the world is heading toward another move of God that's going to sweep the globe. Many good apostolic voices around the world are, are saying such things. It's not just one random person who's seen a vision or something. It's hundreds and thousands of people are all. Uh, and then, uh, you know, if you're Oh, I won't go off track, but there's, there's some great teaching that, uh, that I'm listening to in the last six months because this has been a thing for me to really research a little bit. And that is, you know, you hear a lot about the billion soul harvest. I don't know if you've heard that, but, you know, if you watch God TV, they talk a lot about it. There's nothing wrong with it. People have seen things. And I don't have a problem with that. But I don't know, when does the billion begin? This is like my weird brain thinking, right? When does the billion begin? Is there like, oh, is someone going to stand up and announce... From now, yeah, not from then, but from now, you know. And it's 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 like what who fits in and who doesn't fit in the billion soul harvest. So I sort of look at some of these man numbers and things with a little pinch of salt. And I think we need to do this in the revival movement. Don't take ourselves so seriously. We haven't got the whole thing. We only prophesy in part. So even when we're shaking and the fire of God's on us and we prophesy these big declarations, we only have a little part. We only have a little part. It's very easy in the emotion and when the power of God is flowing at a revival meeting. And, you know, you could go on YouTube and see some major flop prophecies of people that you would know who prophesied in the moment of the fire about this is going to be this incredible thing. And it wasn't at all. It phased out within weeks. So we need to take these things very, very wisely. And this is when we need to realize the sovereignty of God is in control, not a prophet, not a prophecy, not someone who's gifted or talented or who can speak it or who can even perform signs, wonders and miracles greater than we've ever seen. Because actually we're going to see that in the last days. More and more signs and wonders and men and women will have incredible gifts, incredible gifts, but it doesn't even mean they've got sound doctrine. So you don't have to listen to everything they say. 
We listen to the Word of God. And we don't get caught, so caught up in the hype of a revival movement that we actually miss what God is actually trying to say and do in that. I know it seems like anti-revival preaching, but I'm preparing us for something. I'm preparing us for something because I tell you after, you know, I'm 40 now and pretty much all my life we've been in charismatic meetings and certainly the last 20 odd years since the Toronto outpouring, um, there is a stark, stark, um, uh, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Ryan, you need to give me a word of knowledge right now. But there's a, there's a stark lack of heavy-weighted maturity in the spirit on the globe right now. There's a real lack of it. It's so easy for someone to whip up something and 300 people rock up and they can say anything from the pulpit if it's in a revival atmosphere. We need to be wise and we need to question what's being said. If we had, you know, James Gole here and he said some things over us this morning, you know, that I didn't totally agree with, I've learned now, I'm going to pull him up afterwards and say, that was a little bit not where we're at. That wasn't for us. And, and I've learned this a little bit from Wayne and Irene. There have been such an inheritance of wisdom for us in a spirit-filled culture is we don't just chew on every little thing that everyone's saying out there as a little prophecy here there because 90% of what I see of prophecy going down is just a nice little encouraging word. Do you know what I'm saying? If you follow you know, different words that are going on out, there's nothing wrong with it. But I look at them and go, that's not prophetic. That's just really, really nice, encouraging word. We've got to know the difference because then we can attune ourselves to the word of God and the spirit of God because there's a difference between when the unction of the spirit of God falls on a person and the spirit speaks. You can tell the difference. You can tell the difference any day. And we've had many, Andrew and Teresa here, by the way, um, bless you guys. Sorry, I forgot to, a lot of people wouldn't know you, but Anyway, Andrew and Teresa used to be based here and pastor here, and so we, we bless them this morning. But um, uh, it's interesting to think back over the years when, when I've seen God take hold of people and then the Spirit of God begin to speak through a person. It's completely different. You don't have to try. You don't have to sort of squeeze out you know, a, a prophetic word. There's nothing wrong with trying. There's nothing wrong with stretching our gifting. But there's a difference when the sovereign hand of God drags it out of a human being. It's different. It's the spontaneous bubbling up of the Spirit of God. And when we, when we see this, and most of us would have been in meetings or times when we've seen this and we've felt this, it sets a new benchmark for revival. A normal revival meeting, as we've become accustomed to now, won't do it anymore. It won't do it anymore. The world has not become saved because of that and not because it wasn't a move of God, but sometimes we've become settled with just seeing a few manifestations. Oh, it was a good meeting. The presence of God was there. Okay, well, that means we're going to see some lives changed because after Acts chapter 2, some lives were rocked. The apostles were never the same. It's what held them through the coming persecution. What if we need such a move of God to fill us, blast us, rock us, get rid of sin and agendas and selfishness out of us so that we can handle persecution? I know this is not a nice sermon today and a lot of people don't even like that theology anymore that there could be some persecution. But hey, try and tell Christians in Syria that. Try and tell them a, a, one of our nice Western you know, sermons where we're going to get zapped up before any tribulation is going to happen. They're already in it. Yeah. 
And so we've got to be very, very careful in the West that what we call revival isn't just some soulish, man-made, nice effect and sound and lights and we love all that sort of stuff, but that is not a sovereign move of God. It's not a sovereign move of God. And we cannot sell out. We cannot sell out just because something works better there or here or someone seems to be able to have a methodology. No, the Spirit of God is the only one ordained with the power to make a move happen. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Anyway, you made me lose my place now. Here's four things that I identified that are the conditions of a city or a nation prior to a move of God, any of these moves of God, the Book of Acts, Reformation, Great Awakenings, Azusa Street, Jesus People Movement, Toronto Outpouring, you, you name it. There's normally a big deficit of God. And, um, and there's normally these four things, a general lack of power in God's people. Now, we live in a day where because of social media and, and, and uh, you know, YouTube and everything, you can go and you can sit and people give testimonies and all this sort of stuff. And I've got to be really careful here, okay, because I don't want you to take me as being cynical or negative or anything like that. But the reason I say what I'm about to say is so that we go much higher, much higher, okay? So a lot of what we see as testimonies and God's doing this is just soulish bragging. And there's a difference, and it's a very fine line difference, right? And so what, what I want to say is that if people, let, let, let's put it like this. If you lived in the 40, 1940s or 1950s, and you went to some of those healing tent meetings, and you saw people jumping up, popping up in the hundreds, out of wheelchairs, off beds, and diseases falling off, I'm telling you, that's the benchmark, right? The book of Acts. In today's charismatic movement, we, we so rarely see it. In fact, I never see it. And yet we sometimes we talk it up so much and people might even come with an expectation, of, but we so rarely see it. Why? Because, because we've got used to attracting people by saying, hey, you know, it was an amazing, powerful night where God moved sovereignly. It was phenomenal. Okay, so what happened? Well, it was, you know, the worship was amazing. We had two hours of worship. Okay, that's all right. But that's what they did in the book of Acts before the Holy Spirit came. Do you see what I mean? Set our benchmark way higher where the worship time is just a precedent to the outpouring. And when the outpouring comes, a major move of God begins, maybe in one, maybe in a group. Many moves of God have just begun in a group, the Moravians, Hebrides, these sorts of things. They're in small groups. But let's call a move of God what it is, a move of God. And anything else needs to be our hunger and thirst after him. And that's what it was. And if God's pulling people out of wheelchairs, it's an amazing miracle. I'm not saying that headaches aren't an amazing miracle. But what I'm saying is let's not settle for that and call that revival. It's not. It's not. A move of God will change Adelaide. A move of God will change Onkaparinga. That's a move of God. 
And so I just want to scrape away some of, some of even the, the stuff we see in here today. We've got to be very careful to call a spade a spade. And the reason I say that is because the world only believes truth. They don't believe it if they come to one of our revival meetings. We say, God's moving powerfully, and they come, and nothing's happening except a few people shaking. Because they'll depict, if God's really in that place, how do the walls even stay up? Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's a move of God. And that's what we're hungering and thirsting for. So I'm not saying reduce and dampen down and say, oh, you know, God didn't do anything. Sure, God might have been doing something, but let's call it what it is. God was stirring in me tonight. Worship was amazing tonight. He is incredible. But we're hungering after a sweeping move of God that will change us and change everyone around. Because this, I believe, is the heart of God. I'm going to stay on, I'll stay on track, I'll stay on track. You'll distract me if people call things out, right? So, unless it's, you know, hold up some $100 notes, I'll, I might, you might get my attention. Let's go to Luke chapter 11, the book of Luke chapter 11. It is, I think, my favorite, if I can say that, of all chapters as far as a whole chapter put together because this is very, very practical. You know, a lot in the kingdom of God doesn't seem practical. It seems really, you know, out there and we can't quite touch it and feel it and drill it into our lives right now. But Luke 11 is very, very practical. Jesus is teaching them on how to pray. What better teacher could we have on prayer? And so he... um, Jesus was praying and then um, some of his disciples came to him and he says, when you pray, pray like this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we or ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Now listen, this is one of the forgotten passages even in revival movements. It is not revival a sovereign move of God, if we gather a speaker and a group of people from all over a city or a region, and we've done this many, many times ourselves, and they've all been good, but it is not revival if we do that, and yet in the room we still have bickering and grudges and annoyance between one another. Because a sovereign move of God will clean some of that out. The fire of the Holy Spirit will purge it from us. And this happened with the Moravians. You know, there's a lot of doctrinal conflict going on. And, um, and so they had to sort of sort things through. And the Moravian revival began out of repentance. It's a forgotten word, isn't it? Repentance. Imagine if the great end time harvest that the book of Acts talks about, Joel talks about, all flesh, even in the remote areas, will be touched by the Spirit of God. That's what it says, and that's what we're still longing for. That's, that's the prophecy that people generally hang on to and say, well, we haven't seen that. We haven't seen that, and that's true. And so these sorts of things, we can see that there's still some keys to a true move of the Holy Spirit that bring about 
a wisdom and a character. So then we're not just stuffed full of the presence of God into this body that can't handle it. And we don't know how to speak or talk or act or do anything. But And this is why John Arnott from Toronto is so big on heart healing because it's no good plugging people into the light socket and getting them blasted and zapped unless their hearts can actually then handle it and deal with it and forgive mum and dad and forgive those people who hurt them and forgive the pastor and whoever else has hurt them and move on because then they carry the spirit through into promotion rather than stifling the move of God at just a momentary experience. And that's what's happened many, 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 many times. The experience of God as can is real. And this is why a lot of people, I, I, I meet with as many pastors as I can these days from all different streams and denominations. It's the one common thread, especially from Pentecostal denominations, Pentecostal pastors that I ask them about the move of God in Toronto and different things like that. And a lot of them say about the fruit. What was the fruit coming from that? I still want to see the fruit in people's lives. And so you can see there's a hunger now, I believe, there's a hunger now for, the, for that character of the Spirit to come out, where we actually look at the fruits of the Spirit, not just the gifts of the Spirit. Sure, there's nine fruits, but there's nine gifts as well. So one could say it's a pretty good balanced theology the Lord provided us, isn't it? So for as much we want to be uh, released in the gifts of the Spirit, we should be evidencing the fruit of the Spirit. And this is when people will want a taste of the fruit of revival. And we might not even call it revival because the word is so overused these days. But there's so few, uh, and, and that's really my aim today, is set the benchmark of your hunger so much higher than just a good meeting. A good meeting is not revival. It's not revival. A good conference is not revival. If it's true revival, it will continue on in our hearts. We will take it. We will feel different. We will have a stirring that we then need to steward rightly. And it will have a longevity about it. And it will have even an inheritance that gets released onto our kids, onto the next generation. Can you see what I mean? It's so much more than just what we settle for as a revival movement in this day and age. And by no means am I putting anyone else down because we're in it. We've done it. We live like this. But I want us to set the benchmark much, much higher. And um, anyway, so we'll keep, we'll keep reading uh, Luke 11. Um, and lead us not into temptation. Then he said, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, let me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, don't bother me. The door's already been shut and I'm with my children and we're in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he'll not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, Yet because of his persistence, or in other versions, boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. I'm going to leave it there. This is where we see man's responsibility. God's sovereignty and man's responsibility colliding. God's sovereignty is that his spirit would be poured out on all flesh. We've got scripture to back that up. Man's responsibility is to begin asking him, to begin hungering, begin getting a little persistent. And I know a lot of us have for a long, long time. And it can get tiring, hungering and thirsting after a move of God, can't it? 
I mean, if you're honest, most of you, um, you know, it, it, after doing that for a number of years or maybe even decades, it's like, wow, does God even want to move anymore? And then it's just like God to stretch us beyond the flexibility of our tendons, isn't it? It's just like him to, to literally, they're already starting to snap in the spirits. Like, I'm giving up, I'm giving up, this thing doesn't work. It's easier just to go back to methodologies. At least we get something happening. And at least it's orderly and people don't get offended at everything we say and do and rah, rah, rah. Is that my baggage coming out? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. And so it's just at that moment when the Spirit of God normally begins to blow. If we've been asking. See, the good thing is, even if we've given up fasting and praying and and in our mornings, maybe having our big revival prayer time or whatever, even if we've given up, the prayers that we prayed 10 years ago are still circling around. And his faithfulness overrides our ability of longevity. Do you know what I mean? His faithfulness overrides that. And so it's still that incense. You know, I was, I was watching, funnily enough, the, the Catholic Mass of the Pope on Christmas Day, and I was watching him with the incense, you know. And um, I was just watching him going incense over all the different ornamental things, and then incense over the people and the smoke over the people. And then, um, I mean, I know enough to know that it's a sign of the presence of God. Sign of the presence of God. And I thought, wow, we have no idea. What acts we've actually been doing for the last 20 years or 10 years or 5 years that are actually releasing the presence of God or heaven here? We may not be seeing it. We may not actually know. Our faith might have dwindled years ago, but God knows. And those things don't just get cancelled out now just because we're going through a desert period. No, he remembers those things. Sometimes it's just an instant of recalling them and say, Lord, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. I listened to Rodney Howard Brown last night. Wrong thing if you don't want to be offended. But I listened to him again and I thought, this dude for 25 years has been preaching pretty much the same sermon on the fire of God. I reckon I heard it. it was, he only preached it a few weeks ago at Kensington Temple in London. And I heard him preach and I'm thinking, I heard that 20 years ago, right? Same jokes, same sort of sarcastic sense of humor and gruffness and roughness. And I thought, that guy... He is hungry for the fire of God. He is hungry for the fire of God, whether you agree with him or not. And he stayed the course. And there's, there's something about that I think God loves. Because I love it when the kids, when they just stay the course. I mean, it may be annoying sometimes, but they stay the course. And what do you end up doing? You buy them that gift. Eventually, don't you? Who can resist? Who can resist? And you might have set all your little legalistic parameters of, well, we can't go over $65 and we can't do this. They haven't behaved well enough. You still give it to them anyway. Why? Because they're your kids. And so are we. We are his. And it goes on in here and says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find knock and it, you will, and the, and it will be open. For everyone who asks receives and he who knocks finds and him who knocks it will be open now suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish he will not give him a snake instead of a fish will he or if he asks for an egg he will not give him a scorpion will he if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give you the holy spirit to those who ask him let's stand this morning and um
just close your eyes. I just want to read a couple of things over us. And I think what this is, is recalibrating us for 2016 in what it, what it is really like when the wind of the Spirit really blows. I mean really blows. When the depth of God meets the depth of humans. When Him, the divine, mysterious Father, descends upon people and begins to bring about incredible change, incredible hunger. There's something that that burns in us that nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else. Even though we've tried, we've got tired, we've got weary. Isaiah 59.1 says, Look, the Lord's hand is not too weak to deliver you. His ear is not too deaf to hear you. Many of us have cried out for many, many years. And we grow weary, we grow tired, we grow bored even, and maybe even sceptical. But those, that hunger and that inward groaning that the Bible talks about in humans, there's an inward groaning that we don't even know what to say or do half the time. But the inward groaning is the Spirit of God. It's Him made manifest in us. And so, Lord, we ask you this morning that you would recalibrate us for your mighty wind that blows across your people again. Lord, that we won't settle for something that looks second best. We won't settle for something that just pleases man. We won't settle for something that maybe sells incredible books and CDs and DVDs, but truly isn't the authentic, authentic, authentic reality of God made manifest here on earth. And Lord, we don't just want to go with whatever else is going just because the sake of it. We want you. Jesus, we want you. And if it means you have to break us, then break us. If it means you have to shake us, then shake us. Because the world desperately needs it. Islam is not the problem. It is not the problem. We can get so focused on all these other things. We can get so focused. Even abortion, it's not the problem. We need to pray. We need to be aware. But these things are manifestations of sin, not manifestations of God. And the more God is made manifest through his people, the kingdom of God breaks through. And this is what's happened when mighty moves of God reform society, reform cities, reform nations. And so, Lord, we ask you this morning, I want you to pray with me for two minutes. And I want you to let some lungs loose this morning. I want you to get a little bit bold and begin to ask him. Ask him. Ask him for fish. Ask him for provision. Now is not a time to be shy. Now is a time to ask him this morning. Lord, we ask you. We ask you, Lord Jesus. We ask you for this city. We ask you for this nation. Lord, we ask you for your presence, for your power, for life-changing power to be released upon this nation and upon this city. Lord Jesus, mighty move of the wind of your spirit to shake this nation, to truly shake this nation. And Lord, we pray, do it in us. Do it in us. Do it in us. A holiness movement. A holiness movement. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come again. Come again upon your people. Come again upon your people. 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you want to move more than we do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pour out again. Pour out again. Pour out again. Pour out again. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Shikarababa. Yes, Lord. If you're hungry for that, just lift your hands this morning. I said to the Lord, I refuse to do a fire tunnel today. (laughs) Because you get known as a crazy church if you do more than two fire tunnels a month, right? Mm. Well, Holy Spirit, have your way right now. Demonstrate your power in this room, in your people, in your children. Power right now in Jesus' name. Right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just an unlocking happening. It's just like a, an unlocking beginning to happen. Just go with that as you're sensing that and feeling that. Lord, We ask for more this morning. We ask for more for 2016. We don't just want a momentary touch. We want an absolute habitation of heaven to descend upon us even this morning. That you would reside with us with your manifest power and glory. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. It's amazing what can happen in times like this. Just keep hungering. Keep thirsting. It's incredible what can pop, what can begin to get released in just moments like this where we release our spirit to him. And he begins to descend upon us and he begins to do things. And revival can begin in one. Holy Spirit, we honor you. We honor you. We treasure you. We treasure you. So come, come close. Come close. Come close. Come close. Shikarababa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Just grab the person's hand next to you. I know it's getting warm, but you know, it's contagious. <laughs> So, Lord, we ask this morning, Lord, that you would release in us first, not even for the next person, release in us what it truly looks like when your spirit blows again. And, Lord, we pray this morning that any sin that we've harbored in our hearts, unforgiveness, resentment, Lord, we let it go this morning. This is one of the first traits of revival, and it's one that we can action. It's called man's responsibility. 
And so, Lord, we let go of grudges. We let go of hurt. We let go of offenses. We let go of disappointments, of fears, of things that have held back the greater things. We let them go today. We let them go. We put them at the foot of the cross. Wash them in your blood, Jesus. Wash them in your blood, Jesus. Wash every offense. Wash every negativity. Everything that's brought down your kingdom to a lower level. Everything of the flesh. Burn it. Burn it this morning, Jesus. Burn it this morning, Jesus. We want the pure wind of the Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. So we let it go. We let it go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, for that person next to us on our left, we pray right now, release heaven. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, increase, 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 increase in us, increase in us, in your love, saturate us in your love, baptize us in your love. Now the person on the right. Lord, we pray, baptize them this morning with the love, the burning love of Jesus Christ. The burning love of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fresh baptism. Fresh baptism. Fresh baptism. Fresh baptism. Fresh baptism. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to ask the worship team to come up. We're just going to end in some worship. And, um, but if you began to felt a re-stirring or a re-firing, I want you to come out the front. We'd love to pray with you and just pray a fresh baptism, a fresh baptism of his love. That's what I sense. He just wants to begin a fresh work of his love because everything stems from love. Every move of God turns to love. Everything looks like love when it's, when it's God. And so, yeah, let's just, whatever song you want to worship to, Christy, just lead us. And um, yeah, you come out now. If you just feel a fresh, fresh awakening on that, don't miss this moment because you may not have another moment this week or this month where we just, the tangible presence is here and he wants to just begin to baptize and fresh, fresh, fresh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm.